Hey guys, I'm Lorena and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad that you're here and we want to connect with you and your family. So please text River Connect to 97000 and you can also um, visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and all the upcoming events we have. And lastly, if you want to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Morning, everyone. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, we are excited. We have trunk or treat coming up in a few weeks. Looking forward to that. We have, uh, you know, when you have some 1,500, 2,000 people come, that's not a little thing. It's a wonderful thing that we do not take for granted. That uh, to bring people in here, kids in the community, and to love them, and to tell them about Christ's love, and to tell them that, hey, we're a church that, that loves you and cares for you. Uh, so, so looking forward to that. And uh, next week, uh, or next couple weeks, if, if you could help and bring candy, there'll be a Ben out there with Roy's face on it, going through all the candy in that Ben. I told Roy, I'm in trouble. Nobody's going to want to see that happen to Roy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but... Uh, just looking forward to that event and hope you'll be a part of it, whether it's a trunk or serving or, or just helping take care of uh, giving out uh, gifts to, to our kids. So uh, looking forward to that. Matthew chapter number six. Um, <clears throat> here we have the longest recorded sermon of Jesus. Here we have what is called the, many of you will call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaches a sermon, and you read it in about 15 minutes. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Jesus did it in 15. What's your problem, Pastor? Uh, not close to this. This is why I need like an hour just to try to get something. Um, but here we have the Sermon on the Mount. And we at the River Church for the last couple years, years have been studying uh, this sermon. We've been studying the truth. And then what does it mean for us as believers? What does it mean for us as Christians today? What Jesus spoke, how does it apply? And we've taken a few years to do that. And for uh, October and November this year, we are going to study chapter number six. So I would encourage you, if you're going to ride along with us this week, go home and read the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. I'd also, if, if you're new here or want a refresher, uh, the sermons from last year and the year before are online. They're on the app. It may be helpful to jump back there just to, just to hear some of that truth because this sermon is heavy. What the Lord says is wonderful and it's truth, but Jesus, as he preaches, he says some jaw-dropping things. He says some things, see, Jesus preaches on this mountain and he blows people away. People are just like, what? how does he say, what? how can he say those things? And for us, as we read it today, it is still jaw-dropping to hear the truth of what Christ says. So I'd love for you to go back and you can check out those sermons or to read this week. I think it'll be really, really helpful as we go and study chapter six for the next, next two months. But before we... Um, uh, get to the sermon, I, I just want to um, have you ponder something. I want, you, I want you to think about something. When was the last time you received a letter? An email, a letter, a card in the mail. Maybe you have that one friend that likes to text you a book, and so they wrote you something in a text. But they, you received this letter that was wonderful. Wonderful. 
You received this letter that was just personal and maybe it was just an old friend reaching out and catching up and just wanted you to know what was going on and they were thinking of you. Or maybe it was a letter that was a little bit more personal and they were reaching out to ask for forgiveness. Maybe they had done something and they're writing you to say, hey, I'm sorry. Maybe it was just a letter of thanks. Sent you in the mail that said, hey, I just want to thank you for, for what you've done, how you've helped, what you're doing. Maybe it was a letter of encouragement that you received. And so this letter just, maybe it brought a tear to your eye as you read it, you began to smile. But what would happen at the end of that letter? As you got right, to, right before the signature, this is what it ended with. Not that picture. Not that one. How are we doing up there, tech team? Oh, there it is. Hey, can we rewind that and try that all over again? What if you received the letter and you read all of these wonderful, beautiful things, these things that brought tears to your eyes, and at the very end it said, insincerely yours. What would it do? It'd make you pause, wouldn't it? You'd go, is that a typo? Is, maybe they didn't mean to. Maybe something happened. Maybe just the autocorrect messed it up. But if someone wrote you a letter and gave you all of these things and then said, insincerely yours, you would go, well, because usually you end with what? Sincerely yours. Meaning, when you look at sincerity and you study, it means to, to not be dishonest, to not be a hypocrite, to be clean, to be pure. But if you read a letter and receive it and it says, insincerely yours, what does that mean? I don't really mean what I'm saying. I wrote this down, but it's not really from my heart. I said all the good things and I did it, but it's not sincere. It's not real. When we get to Matthew chapter 6 and Jesus in the sermon, he transitions here and he speaks about insincere Christians. Christians who know how to say the right things, who know how to do the right things. But the truth is, if their life was a letter to Jesus, what they did and what they said, it's scary to think about. But does my life, my letter to Jesus of how I live, end up, the end of the letter says this, Insincerely yours. I don't really mean it. It's not really what I believe. I did it all, but it's insincere. In chapter six, it starts out it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father. Here Jesus says, you know the acts to do, but if your heart is not in it, if it is insincere, it's no good. It's like receiving a letter from a friend saying, insincerely yours. So I want to back up a little bit because I think it's important as we study the sermon, uh, for some of us, that's a year ago, so to remember what's going on here in this message, or maybe you're new, 
Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount. In the first like 10 verses, he talks about it. We put it together, we call it the Beatitudes. He talks about the blessings of following the Lord. And here, this whole sermon, I don't know if there's any other place in the Bible that exposes our heart more than this sermon. It exposes who we are. Like in our culture, we have the state of the union. Well, here Jesus says, let me tell this, you the state of the believer, who you are, where you are truly at. And he starts the sermon by telling the hearers who are us the characters of a true believer. He said, if you're a true believer, here's the characters. And again, Jesus says things that people go, well, that's not what I I think it should be. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn and those who are meek and those who are hungry or those who are starving for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted. So if you're honest, when you read this at first, you go, that's, that's the character? Of, that, that's the real character? And Jesus is saying, yes, unless we come to a place where we are in need of a Savior, that we are poor, that we are bankrupt, that it is not what we do, but is what Christ did, you're never going to truly follow Jesus. Unless you come to a place where you mourn sin, unless you allow God to lead your life, to truly be Lord, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This word blessed really means the place we are with the Lord. It means we are in a place of hope and of joy and of peace. As you continue reading chapter 5, he then goes to six illustrations that are about righteous living. Jesus doesn't mess around. He says, let's talk about anger and lust and divorce and lying and retaliation and loving your enemies, those who spit in your face. Let's talk about it. And what the sermon does, it exposes our hearts. One says it brings us to an honest admission of what we really are. And it's not a pretty picture. But I love what Kent Hughes, he goes on to say this. He says, however, that is ultimately good because seeing ourselves as we are opens us up to God's grace. When we see our spiritual wretchedness, we are candidates for spiritual greatness. None of us completely meet the standards of the Sermon on the Mount. But at the same time, if we are true believers, something of the character of the kingdom, something of each of the Beatitudes will be authentically present in our lives. We may fall at times, but we will practice righteousness, anger, adulterous thoughts, insincere talk, retaliation, will progressively vanish from our lives. Agape love will become characteristic of us. With the filling of the Holy Spirit and his word, we will practice righteousness. Here, Jesus is saying, hey, if you believe in me, this is a real thing. 
It is not just an act. It's not just an action change. It is a heart change because you accept me. And our life will change. But Ken Hughes went on to say, however, this is where the danger lies. Once you are flying spiritually, once you are living a life full of good deeds, it is very easy to begin practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And this first verse really uh, lays out the whole chapter. When you get to verse 2, it says, Thus, when you give to the needy, Now, I want to show you something. If you have your Bibles open, look down to verse 7. Here you'll have the same structure. It says, and when you pray. And when you skip to verse 16, it says, and when you fast, you will find the rhythm of what Jesus says in these three spots. They say the same thing. See, Jesus picks out here three religious activities. He says, when you give to the poor. When you pray, when you fast, good things. He says, beware, be careful. Why? Because he knows our flesh. He knows we can spin and we can turn things. He says thus in verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And again, if you look down in verse 7, it is the same cadence it says, do this in secret, and your Father will reward you. Don't do this to impress man. One of the location pastors called me this week and said, Jay, I got something for you. I said, okay. He goes, what if, what if you printed off a five-foot check, put somebody's name on there, wrote tithes, giving, and a big, you know, you put the big, and then, and then you bring it on stage and show it like, we don't give like this. We don't go, look at the check I'm giving. When the location pastors called me and said that, I said, that's a silly idea. Who would print off a check to make an illustration? No, just kidding. I didn't do it. <laughs> but to give that way, we don't pass buckets anymore. Can you imagine somebody, I'm just going to set this on top of the bucket so everybody can know what I give. We have the little giving box out there. They go, it doesn't fit. I'm going to lean it up against the wall so everybody knows what I'm giving. And that, that sounds, you're like, okay, yeah, who's ever going to do that, pastor? That's our hearts. When we do things, look and go, who, who am I going to impress? Who, who am I going to, I'm doing this, this wonderful thing. And here Jesus is saying, hey, the religious people, they knew what to do, to pray, to fast, to give. Yet when they did it, it wasn't about giving glory to God. It was about bringing worship to themselves. 
Here the Bible defines that as an insincere believer. It uses the word hypocrite. One who says something, can even do something, but their heart doesn't believe it. The Bible never treats this lightly. In the Old Testament, in the book of Amos, it says, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offering of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. What does this say? You've come and you give. You sing songs. But he says, please take the noise away from me. Why? Because he knows their heart. It wasn't about honoring God. It was about honoring themselves. Jesus says it this way in Mark chapter 7. He says, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Listen, I, th- I think it's truthful to say that religious activity with insincerity is blasphemy to the Lord. To be a hypocrite. And there's different kinds of hypocrites in the church, right? There are those who don't know the Lord. And so they masquerade as Christians. And the word hypocrite literally means someone who puts on a mask. It's an actor. When you study this word, it means someone who puts on a show, puts on a mask. It's not who they really are. But hypocrites are also true believers who are faking spirituality to impress people. So here, Jesus said, hey, beware. If you truly follow me, beware. Because our hearts are wicked. And maybe you're there and go, that's not me, Pastor. I don't, I don't do things for that. Maybe, maybe it's more for me. I don't believe that because Christ knows our hearts and this is why it's in the word. But I'll tell you as your pastor, there has been times when I've had to get on my knees and repent. Amen. Because I care too much about what you think about a sermon. There's been times when I think about that too much and I have to go to the Lord and go, Lord... I want to glorify you to not make this a show about me. And so when you come to me and go, good pastor sermon, there may be times I give you an awkward look and stare because I know my flesh is wicked and I want nothing to do with it. So as we studied a couple weeks ago, I must put to death those things. Why? Because I want to preach for the glory of the Lord. For him to be praised. Christ knows our flesh. See, worship team, you know what's going to happen? You get up here and if you don't keep your eyes on Christ, you can start to worship for yourself. Thinking about what somebody else thinks. Looking for the glory in that. This is what the churchy Pharisee people were doing. 
So here, Christ warns us. One said it like this. When they make a point of doing publicly what they could easily do privately, they behave like hypocrites, not like God's children. See, in Jewish tradition, when Jesus was speaking and preaching and they're on the mountainside, the Jewish teachers, they had their own writings apart from the Bible. And their own writings would say, hey, if you give to the needy, it will atone for your sin. Which means, hey, all your sin's going to be forgiven as long as you take money and give it to poor people. This is why in Matthew 19, when Jesus said how difficult it is for a rich man to be saved... And it blew the disciples away. It's because they believed the rich people would easily be saved. Because they had the means to give so they would be fine. And I told you the Sermon on the Mount, what does it do? It exposes our heart. It exposes our heart. So Jesus goes on to say, he says, Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. This is the truth from the Lord. If you do things for the praise of men, Christ says, okay, you got your reward. And you lose his reward. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Again, Jesus would say things. That right here he says this. This is extreme and absurd. How do your left hand not know what your right hand is doing? Jesus is saying it's so important that you are careful with this because we so have the bend to praise ourselves instead of praising the Lord. So he uses this absurd picture of hey, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Now, some people would take that to extreme. Like, well, should all the worship people then worship backstage? And then should I not? If I'm going to do something, I'm going to make sure nobody sees me? No. We're called to worship together, to serve together. But what it is saying, if you are doing things so people will look at you, you send that text, you, you give that phone call and do this, this thing that's a good thing, but you do it for your glory. Don't do it. In the last verse in this section, Jesus really gives us the motivation on why doing these things are so important. He says, so, <clears throat> he says, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So studying this, I came across a commentary that talked about here we have the motivation of how to serve the Lord and how to do this. Christ gives us the motivation. One, what's our motivation as a true believer? The Lord sees. That's the motivation. The Lord sees. He he knows it. He sees it. You didn't get away with it. The good thing you did... Jesus wasn't like, oh, I missed it. What'd you do? He sees it all. Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to his eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
Psalms 139, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? I can't. Your father sees it. Do it for his glory, to praise him, to worship him. As a son, I think about trying to please my earthly father. Doing something, go, Dad, you watch, you see it? You see that, Dad? Any of you remember your dad's coming to the baseball game, the football game, the band concert? Always there. When, when I do funerals, many times the praise of the parents come back to this. They were there. They would see it. They, they saw. They saw. You're up to bed. Is dad watching? God sees. To be honest, some of you are in here, and when I say that, you have scars. You have, you have, you have hurt from earthly fathers or mothers because like they didn't come. They, they missed it. Can I tell you, your heavenly father isn't going to miss it. He sees it. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, when we wake up in the morning, we should immediately remind ourselves and recollect the two that we are in the presence of God. Throughout the whole of this day, everything I do, everything I say and attempt and think and imagine is going to be done under the eye of God. To know that he sees. The verse wraps up and says, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. The second motivation you see is the reward of the Lord. And some of you may pause and go, wait a minute, we're, we're, there, there's a motivation of the reward? Yes. Read one that said, some people think, well, you're just supposed to do good because you're supposed to do good and just do good. But here there's this motivation of the rewards from the Lord. And that is not spoken of a couple times. It's spoken of many times. We find in Paul says in Philippians 4, he talks about my hope, my joy, or my crown. Another passage says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We should look forward to the day when we see the Lord and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus sets the example in Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him. What does that mean? He was looking at the amazing reward. And some will go, well, is that just heaven? No, if we know the Lord, we we receive eternity in heaven. I believe this is much greater. There's amazing rewards from the Lord. And some of them are right now. There is a reward from the Lord living for him, a joy that only comes from him. There is a peace and a hope. It comes from the Lord, even in this broken, messed up, sinful world. The joy of the Lord we can have. Sometimes that reward is, there, there, there's material rewards the Lord talks about. There's, there's earthly rewards, but all of them, if it's from the Lord, right? 
These are spiritual rewards. Now, I think as you keep reading this passage, it says, hey, don't lay up your treasures in heaven. So if you get selfish and earthly and go, I do this so the Lord gives me more money, you're missing the reward of the Lord. That's not what it's talking about. It talks about laying up our treasures in heaven, that there are eternal treasures. But this motivation of pleasing our Father, that he sees it, To him be the glory. Now, if you look back at chapter five, this is interesting. And there's a passage here where people will go, oh, see, the Bible, it contradicts itself. So they're going to say, hey, so Jesus in his sermon, he contradicted himself. See, in Matthew five, chapter 16, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there are some that go, see, there's this contract. Jesus says we're supposed to do things so people see it. And then he says we're supposed to do things in secret. Which is it? Well, again, what is Jesus doing? Coming back to our heart. We live a life that glorifies God and it points people to Jesus. And if you do something that gives glory to yourself, it's sin. It's saying everything that we do, how we live and talk and the things we do in secret, all should point to Jesus. A few weeks ago, I, uh, I wore a suit. Remember that for a prop? Remember that? I didn't, didn't, not doing that again. Uh, and there are some of you, more at the 8 o'clock gathering, who wear a suit every single week. It's great. After one of the gatherings, I went in the lobby and there's a man, he always dresses like, I mean, suit, suit, like he is decked out. So he saw me in the lobby and said, Pastor, nice suit. And I looked at him and I said, nice suit. He said, Pastor, you know, I grew up and this is what we were told to wear. This, this is what, but he says, I now know. It's not about this. It's about what's inside of here. So last week, he came dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. He walked up to me and said, Pastor, where's the suit? And I looked at him and said, where's your suit? And he said, you said it's a work day today. And I just thought of him going, I'm wearing my church clothes Because today we go outside and we work. And he was so excited to go and work outside. Here Jesus points out our heart. It exposes us. Why? So that some of us may run back to the cross and repent of our sins. We've been selfish and self-centered. For the praise of us, may we repent. When that joy inside of you, when someone else fails, mm -hmm, you know what that is? That's this pride. 
When you do something and can't wait to get home and put it on Facebook and put it on this and put it on that so that people will praise you. Worship team, if you come up here and go, I can't wait for people to hear me sing, hear me play. I can't wait for people to see what I'm dressed like today. We see a heart that turns toward praising ourselves. Now, does this mean we're not to encourage one another? No, we can encourage. I had a lady after the eight say, Pastor, I'm sorry I came and said it was a good sermon. And she was being honest. I said, listen, we can encourage one another and pray. You know, we can praise the Lord and go, man, thank you for what you're doing. But we have to be careful because we are so good at worshiping people too. So I warned, like, be careful. Like, when you put that guy on a pedestal, that TV pastor or that guy you listen to, you, you, you don't worship people. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As I was reading, it was said that in the temple, there was this place called the Chamber of the Silent. In the temple... There was a place, and it was for those people who didn't want to see anybody to see them giving. It was a place they could go. They didn't want any worship. I hope that reflects our church, the chamber of the silent. We want to give praise to Jesus. So maybe this morning there's been conviction What do you do? We run back to the cross. We go back to the beginning of the sermon where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. It is why you hear me speak of the gospel over and over again. Because if we run away from the gospel, we will run run to sin. And the good news of Jesus Christ brings us back to the cross where we know it is not because of us. It was because of his wonderful love for us. It brings us to a place where we have to mourn sin because we know sin is why Christ died on the cross. Brings us to a place where we hunger and thirst. We starve after his righteousness listen I so want my life the letter of my life to the Lord in what I do and what I say in the end that it will say sincerely yours And when I fall, I'm going to fight to get back up. And praise the Lord, there is forgiveness and healing. But let's run to the cross and be a church that lives a life that says sincerely yours. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray.
Lord God, I uh, thank you for your word. Oh God, I pray it will be a people that have a heart set on you. Lord, to be a people that come to you and ask you to create a clean heart in us. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for your truth that you give us strength to live it out. We praise you, Lord, and pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.